Come on, come on in the room. Now listen, you have been warned, this message on tonight, anytime I come in the room clapping, anytime I come in the room clapping, you're going to have to guard your edges, tighten your lace front, guard your big toe, your pinky toe, all of your toes, all 10 of them, even your corns, calluses, guard them all. This word on the night, you know what it's going to do? It's going to help us mature. It's going to help us engage in spiritual maturity because that is my desire for you to evolve. I just firmly believe God did not cosmically create you to remain immature. Can we get an amen, just an introduction? Amen, amen. And look, we have one month and one day until we have our grand reopening of in-person service on June 17th. Of course, we're still having online, but I pray if you're willing, join us. God is going to do something amazing in the house. Let us know where you're from, where you are in the world. Last week, we had Ireland, we had China, we had South Korea, we had Brazil, and of course, the beautiful United States representing all over the nation. Thank you so much for joining us. And this word on tonight, are y'all ready? Are you ready? All right, let's go. The Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 27. We're going to read just two verses. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 27, a few verses. Verse 12 says, when he was accused... By the chief priest and the elders, speaking of Jesus, when he was accused by the chief priest and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge to the great amazement of the governor. What, what I would like to highlight and what I would like to bring front and center for the time that we have together on tonight as we are continuing this pressure series of these five powerful words, five powerful words that we see are located in our foundational text. These, these five powerful words, they should be the goal. They should be the goal for anybody who wants emotional and mental soundness. This should be our bullseye. For anybody who's like, listen, I want and I value internal peace. I want internal peace and calmness in the reservoir of my soul. If you want to be able to not respond to people on the level that they came at you on, this text is showing me for certain people and certain situations, we have to be likened unto an out-of-service elevator. Out-of-service elevator. You pushing buttons, but I am not required to go to the level you just demanded. Let me say that again. I believe for certain people and situations, we need to be likened unto an out-of-service elevator. Yes, this circumstance is pushing my buttons, but I'm not going to the floor that it demanded. Yes, ma'am, you're trying it. you pushing my buttons, but I refuse to go to the level that you demanded. You, sir, you on one today, and you trying me, but you know what? I'm not going to allow you pushing my buttons to make me go to the floor that you demanded. I'm out of service to you. Can I get somebody to put in the room, I'm out of service. Like, I'm out of service. Say it with a little attitude. I am out of service. If you have to clap, I'm out of service. I'm out of service to you. I'm out of service to your petty. 
I'm out of service to your disrespect. I'm out of service to your negative energy. I'm out of service of being cursed out. Y'all not talking to me. I'm out of service over everything that you've been saying about me. I'm out of service to your thoughts about me. Please hear me, y'all. I just feel like preaching tonight. I'm out of service to your thoughts about me because the fastest way to be incarcerated to mental exhaustion and to have the prison warden be your overthinking. The fastest way to be incarcerated due to mental thinking and to have overthinking be your prison warden is for you to constantly try to recreate the version that people have of you in their head. Listen, listen, to constantly try to recreate the version that they have of you in their head. What you think about me is none of my business. We're going to help somebody on the night. What you think about me, that's none of my business. Because, listen, I cannot care what everybody thinks while I'm trying to be effective with my assignment. I have to have some I don't care to me. I don't care what you have to say that you think holiness is old school. I don't think it's old school. I think it's biblical. You have to have some, you know what, that, that's, that's none of my business. That's none of my business. I have articulated this several times before. It is exhausting if you constantly try to recreate the version of yourself in everybody's head. If I put 10 people in a room, all 10 of them are going to have a different version of you. All 10 of them. How you get exhausted is when you go to person one and try to recreate the version that they have of you in their head. You go to person six and you try to recreate the version that they have of you in their head. You just got to get to this place. The version? <laughs> That you have of me and your head, that's none of my business. That's none of my business. Oh, but I do know my business, though. So maybe this is the problem. We don't know our business. Your thoughts about me, that's none of my business, but I do know my business. My business is to advance the kingdom. My business is to maximize my singleness. My business is to love my wife like Christ loves the church. My business is to raise up my children in the ways of the Lord because a kingdom man in the home changes the narrative. I know my business. Do you know yours? Somebody drop in the room. That's none of my business. That's none of my business. Y'all have me sweat like this in the introduction. That's, that is none of my business. This text, a foundational text, reveals to us five powerful words that are in the beginning of verse 14. And those five words are, but Jesus gave no reply. But Jesus made no Reply. We're talking about accusers all around him, critics all around him, naysayers all around him, negative comment after negative comment. Can we modernize the text? Negative review after negative review. One star rating after one star rating. Unfollow after unfollow. Unsubscribe after unsubscribe. Here we go. The cancel culture. Jesus, you canceled. You canceled and all your disciples, all your boys, you canceled. And everybody is saying all this stuff about Jesus. And what does the text say that Jesus' response was? What does the text say that the king of glory's response was? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. They had so much to say, 
But, but Jesus said nothing. He made no reply. And if you continue to read verse 14, it says, not to a single charge. Ooh, you talk about maturity, not to one single charge. What if I told you that there is a pressure to clap back? Yes, here we go. What if I told you that there is a pressure to give people a piece of your mind? That there is a pressure to keep tabs on people. It's getting real. There's a pressure to keep tabs on people, especially when you feel I let that heifer slide last week. Especially when you feel, I already let you slide, ma'am. I turned the other cheek last week, ma'am. Last week, sir, I let that little rebuttal, that little remark that you made under your breath. You think I didn't hurt you, but I let you slide because I didn't have time. Oh, but today I got time, cuz. Today I got time. I feel like the back of somebody's neck is getting hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, today I have time. I let you slide last time. Turn the other cheek. Jesus gave no reply. Hmm. I, I didn't have time last time. You said something. Oh, but I, I have time today. I have time today. What if I were to tell you that there is a pressure for you to be reactive? Yeah. That there is a pressure for you to respond to that racial slur. There, there is a pressure for you to respond to the disrespect. There is a pressure for you to respond to the petty. I feel like I'm losing my whole amen corner, and I can't even see if you're saying amen or not, but I just feel like it's getting silence in the chat. I feel like there are a lot of people who are saying, okay, Jerry, what you asking? You asking for me to be a doormat? No, I'm asking you to be Christ-like. You asking for me to be a doormat? No, I'm asking for you to be Christ-like. But Jesus gave no reply. Christ-like. Christ-like. I know somebody's like, listen, but you don't understand. I have so much tea on this person. I can spill so much tea. If you don't know what spill tea is, that's like a millennial and generation Z terminology for me. I got dirt on somebody. Like, you just don't know. I got receipts. I got screenshots. I have so much on this individual. I can spill so much tea. You would think I'm hosting, a, like, you would think I'm hosting a tea party. I have so much tea on this individual. I have a whole vibe for them. And I hear you. I hear you. But I came here tonight to let you know carnality is not a vibe. Uh-oh. Here we go. Here we go. Carnality is not a vibe. Operating in the arena of offendedness and emotionalism due to the comment of somebody who is not even a critical component to your destiny. <laughs> They're not even a critical component to your destiny. That is not you having a vibe. That is immaturity. You responded to somebody at the same level that they responded to you. That's not having a whole vibe. That's immaturity. Yet you taking off your crown, sir. I'm talking to you, man of God, my dude. You taking off your crown to let somebody know, listen, bro, I haven't been saved my whole life. I love Jesus, but I also not throw hands. Doing that is not a whole vibe. It is immaturity. And I think somewhere... Somewhere throughout the generations, we have made mockery 
of the statement, turn the other cheek. We have minimized it to where, listen, I'm saved, but I, I still throw hands. I'm not talking about not defending yourself, but I'm talking about not being offended by people who do nothing for your destiny. Not offended. Not offended. Please hear me. Please hear me. Maturity is when before you even respond, before you even respond or communicate to this individual, you consider three things. Number one, do they even know me? Do they even know me? Like, like can they call me? What's that? They don't have your number? Then they don't know me. <laughs> they really don't know me. They don't know me. Do they know my middle name? Do they know that my name is really not Jerry? It's Gerald. That is my birth certificate name. Do you even know my middle name? What's my favorite color? What city was I born in? Do you even know? You don't know me well enough for me to value what you are attempting to articulate. Do they know me? Do they know me? Number, number, number two, is this a person that is a critical component to my spiritual evolution? Because offendedness will have you to where when people in your life try to tell you the truth who love you and who will help you evolve and mature, you won't receive it because you're forgetting that this person is in your life to help you spiritually mature. Spiritual maturity is considering, do they even know me? Is this somebody that helps me spiritually mature? And number three, do they even have the mental maturity to have a healthy and holistic dialogue and conversation to consider another perspective rather than the one that they have conjured up in their head or the one that somebody told them about me. If they don't even have mental maturity, I don't even need to waste my time trying to have a conversation. I'm trying to help somebody on the night. I'm trying to help somebody. Spiritual maturity is tied to the condition of your mind and of your heart which is manifested out of your mouth. Did y'all hear me? Spiritual maturity is tied to the condition of your head and of your heart, which manifest out of your mouth. As a man thinketh, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Spiritual maturity is tied to the condition of your heart and your mind. A slow fuse, the ability to have a slow fuse is the byproduct of pursuing wisdom. I'm trying to help somebody on the night. People who have a slow and long fuse, the byproduct of that individual is one who pursues wisdom. Spiritual maturity is the ability to overlook. <sighs> I'm sweating because I'm just hot for y'all. I was like, God, it's just going to get real. It's going to get real. Spiritual maturity is the ability to overlook. Now, let's break down the word overlook. Can y'all believe I'm just an introduction? Let's break down the word overlook. Overlook, first definition of overlook means to miss. You have a paper. You overlooked a grammatical error. You made a mistake. You overlooked. Okay? Overlook means to miss. That petty statement you said missed my heart. That, that, that immature thing that you said missed my emotionalism. This is how certain people will come to you and be, they'll begin to apologize and say, you know what, bro, I'm, I'm tripping. Last week I was just on one. And you know what your response will be? What you talking about? <laughs> what you talking about? You know, last week when I was tripping, 
Girl, bro, I didn't even notice that. I'm so good. It missed me because I'm living with the level of spiritual maturity, and spiritual maturity is the ability to overlook. That petty statement, that attitude missed my heart. Missed it. The second definition of overlook is to examine repeatedly, to try to identify an error. Before I turned in this test, I'm overlooking. I'm looking continuously and repeatedly to see if I have some incorrect answer, some incorrect formula. When you live a life of spiritual maturity to where you can overlook things, I am constantly and repeatedly overlooking my behavior so that the Holy Spirit can point out to me this was incorrect. The way you responded, that was not biblical. The way that you cursed them them out, that was not Christ-like. Spiritual maturity is the ability to overlook. I'm overlooking and evaluating myself continuously where the Holy Spirit and doctrine can correct my living. Y'all ready for this last one? Overlook, spiritual maturity, the ability to overlook, it means when you look down from a place above. It is when you're looking from a higher position. So we have... I'm overlooking the valley from the hill. I'm looking from a higher position. I'm looking from above to something beneath me. So when you have spiritual maturity, I'm above your petty drama. (laughs) It's so good, y'all. This is so good. If I didn't need my towel, I would throw it. It's so good. I'm above cursing people out. No, I'm not better than nobody. I'm just above that. Can I get somebody to put that's above me? Like, I'm above that. Them, they said this, well, I'm going to say that. I'm above that. I have the spiritual ability to overlook. I'm going to give you Bible because y'all getting hot. I'm going to give you Bible. Proverbs chapter 11, Proverbs chapter 19, excuse me, verse 11. It says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. I want to help somebody on the night. I would like to help somebody on tonight because too many people have been treating you like elevators. Whatever they say, whatever they do, whenever they push your buttons, you automatically go to the floor that they demanded. What if the goal is for you to stop letting the insignificant actions and words of others cause for you to step out of your kingdom character? Cause for you to step out of your kingdom character. Will you be perfect? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. This message is not a message for perfection. You will not be perfect. Sometimes you will miss it. Sometimes you will fall short. Okay? But emotional maturity, the state of being unbothered and having self-control is our goal. That's where I'm aiming. Because if that is not where I aim, I will be emotionally aimless. So powerful. This is powerful. It's blessing me. I promise you during study time, I get blessed. It's blessing me. No, I won't be perfect. I won't be perfect. But emotional maturity and the state of being unbothered and having self-control, which is a fruit of the spirit, is the aim. And when I do not have that as my aim, I will be emotionally aimless. And whenever you are emotionally aimless, bystanders get hit. 
This is why certain people don't want to be around you because I keep getting hit with your nasty attitude. Oops. This is why I don't want to even have a chance to work with this individual because I keep getting hit by their jealousy. I don't even want to be around them because you're emotionally aimless. So now everybody around you is a bystander of you having no target for your emotions. Oh, give you more Bible. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 16. It says a fool is quick tempered. But a wise person stays calm when insulted. Romans chapter 8 verse 29. For whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. The goal is to conform us into the image and the likeness of Jesus. Be imitators of God. The goal is to be like Christ. And Christ five words, but Jesus made no reply. God, could you help us to get to a place to where we stop replying to things that don't matter? Stop replying things that don't matter. God, this one might be tough, but would you help us understand that it is not your desire for us to remain immature. It is not an excuse to say God is not through with me yet for me to engage in carnality or behavior that does not represent the kingdom. Would you help us, oh God, to be able to produce the fruit of self-control, which is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, who can't believe that was just intro, can you say amen? Amen. <laughs> amen. All of these people are accusing Jesus. They're saying false things about Jesus, lying about Jesus. And I believe everybody's turning up, pointing out all of these things about him. And Pilate's like, yo, you, you don't hear the stuff that they're saying? But Jesus gave no reply. Not to a single charge. I would like to speak around this thought for this subject for part eight of our pressure series. Don't respond to that. Yeah, don't respond to that. It's confession time because I feel like it's real right now. It is confession time. Can I get everybody to put this in the room in all caps? Everybody put this in the room in all caps. Being offended is a choice and I refuse to give you that much power, I'm unbothered. One more time. Somebody needs to probably like, you know what, write that out, put it on your mirror in your bathroom, frame it. This needs to be a declaration because the way your mouth is. Okay, let me get back to the, get back to the confession. God, God, being offended is a choice. And I refuse to give you that much power, I'm unbothered. I am unbothered. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, you would be surprised how many of us step out of character due to this. Rather, if it's the keyboard on your iPhone, your Android, your desktop, your tablet, your iPad, you would be surprised how many of us have gotten out of our kingdom character due to a person who was behind this. 
I'm talking about bad moods for the whole morning because of somebody behind this. It's so real to where we have questioned our giftedness, our peace meter has been affected. Certain individuals even have suicidal thoughts due to what somebody has used this keyboard to say or somebody's mouth. <laughs> I know I'm telling the truth. There's somebody right now, God has told you to write a book. He's told you to start a podcast. He's told you to record that song and upload it. He's told you to start a YouTube channel, but you're not obedient because you're more concerned about people who have these. You're more concerned about what are they going to say. Here we go. Somebody else is watching this message. You have wasted a whole hour of your day. An hour is 4% of your day. You have wasted a whole hour of your day exchanging words back and forth with somebody you do not know. <laughs> you do not know. They don't know you, nor do they know your middle name. They don't know the name on your birth certificate. All they know is the profile and the hashtag and the caption that you have placed on your social media. They don't know your name, but you are now emotionally hot. Hot. Going back and forth, refreshing your social media. I'm talking to somebody. Refreshing your social media to see if they have commented back. And you are upset because of what somebody is saying behind a keyboard, or could you be stuck due to what somebody has said with their mouth? It is the bait of offendedness. The bait of offendedness. I'm trying to help somebody. I, I, I just believe that we should learn how to protect our peace. I can't speak for anybody else. But for myself, especially in the middle of a pandemic, for myself, I have arrived to this place where my peace is non-negotiable. Can I get somebody to say, amen, bruh? Not bro, but bruh. B-R-U-H. Amen, bruh. My, my peace. My peace. I'm serious. My peace is non-negotiable. What you said or what you didn't say, what you liked or what you did not like will not cause me to lose calmness in my soul, okay? Because petty people birth drama. Listen, petty people birth drama. It is their oxygen. And when you know how to protect your peace, you take their breath away. Did y'all hear what I just said? Petty people birth drama. It's their oxygen, and when you have learned how to protect your peace, it takes their breath away. My peace right now, my peace in this season is non-negotiable. And I've articulated this to us before, but repetition is the mother of learning. Peace is a kingdom exclusive. It is exclusively for those who reside in the kingdom. It is exclusively for those who have made up their mind. They have drawn a line of demarcation in the sand, and you have said, for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. Peace is for you. And the evidence, the driver license, the driver's license of the Holy Spirit driving your life is peace. Because the Holy Spirit, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is peace. How we get frustrated is when we want the fruit the Holy Spirit gives, but we don't want to surrender the will the Holy Spirit wants to drive. 
Ah, there it is. How we get in trouble is when we want peace. You putting it all a lot. I value peace. I'm about my peace. Protect your peace. Protect your peace. I need peace. Protect it. You all about peace. But you want the fruit from the Holy Spirit. Oh, but you don't want to surrender the will so that the Holy Spirit can drive your life. The idea of a life that has been driven and is being navigated by the Holy Spirit is a life of peace. Now, don't misconstrue what I'm saying. I'm not articulating to you that there will be peace around you. But I am saying that there will be peace in you. What does that look like naturally? It's like you driving on a highway with the windows up. I'm not affected by the wind around me. But when I roll the window down to clap back, here it is. When I roll the window down to curse somebody out, when I roll the window down to engage in non-Christ-like behavior, now I am affected by what's around me, and it's blowing on everybody in me. Everybody in my circle, everybody in my home, everybody in my life is affected because I keep on rolling the window down because ain't nobody going to talk to me like that. But Jesus gave no reply. I'm trying to help somebody grow tonight. I'm trying to help somebody grow. Maturity. I wonder what your peace meter would look like. If every time somebody said something ignorant, foolish, or crazy to you, you immediately looked for the exit versus walking through the entrance of offendedness. I wonder what our peace meter would look like where as soon as they say something crazy, I'm looking for an exit versus me walking through the entrance of offendedness. Can we unpack this? One of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of Exodus. My personal opinion, I just think Exodus is just one of the books in the Bible that just shows off God's personality. It shows the might of God, the miracles of God, the wonders of God. All 66, all 66 books are amazing. They're love letters God has given us. But one of Jerry's personal favorite is the book of Exodus. It just is a lot in that biblical narrative and that passage of Scripture where I just learn a lot about God. And I think sometimes we have forgotten that exodus means to exit there are many descriptors that we could use in an attempt to articulate who our god is but there's one descriptor that i think we often forget and that is he is the god of an exit <laughs> the god of exodus he he is an exit strategist. He's the God that knows how to make a way out of no way. And once you really get to learn and really begin to be, get intimate with the Lord, you begin to discover he's not just the God who can make a way out of no way. He is the way. Y'all better come get me. He is the way. John chapter 14 verse 6, Jesus tells us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is so real that way back in the Psalms, the psalmist told us in, in Psalms chapter chapter 121 that I will look to the hills to where my help comes from therefore if he's the God of an exit this means I may be surrounded but I'm never trapped 
Did you catch that? He's the God of an exit. I may be surrounded by obstacles, but I'm not trapped. I may be surrounded by dead end after dead end, but I'm not trapped. I may be surrounded by pitfall after pitfall, but I'm not trapped. I may be surrounded by petty after petty, but I'm not trapped to walk through the doors of offendedness. He is the God of an exit. Can I get somebody to say, there's a way out? There's a way out. But look, it takes maturity for you to look for the way out versus to look for a way to get them back. Yes, I'm trying to help you grow. I told you this, this precious series is just different. It's not like heart rehab. It's not like world changer. This series right here, if you want to grow, if you actually want to be a mature believer, precious series is for you. I just felt like the Holy Spirit quickened in me. Before you do another segment in this series, you have to dedicate one about offendedness because it's going to be hard for them to follow me and be sensitive and easily offended. It's going to be hard for them to be trendsetters and people pleasers at the same time. That's going to be very hard. It's going to be hard for them to experience me and know me at the mountaintop when they seek validation and approval from people in the valley. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult that there has to be a biblical education presented to my people that they could understand and remember I am the God of an exit so every single time something comes that agitates your emotions and your feelings before you respond look for an exit look for an exit and I begin to think maybe we need to like relabel this maybe everybody is not an introvert sometimes they're into hurt but maybe everybody's not an introvert could it be they're into peace? <laughs> they're into peace, and what you think is an introvert is, no, this is not healthy for my peace. So I, I, I really can't hang around y'all. It's nothing personal. It's just my peace is too valuable. No, I'm not an introvert. I'm into peace. I'm into peace. That, that, that's what I'm into. I'm into keeping peace. I'm into being able to sleep. I sleep great at night. Every time I get off the phone with you, I have nightmares. Like, I, I have a good day. When I, you have that, just listen, do you have that person who calls you when as soon as their name pops up, oh, no. And sometimes it's your mama. Sometimes it's your daddy, it's your brother. Blood does not mean they don't disturb peace. Okay, all right. So this is why last week I presented us with this acronym of PEERS. I said there has to be health in our total self. Peers is an acronym. The P was for your physical self. The I was for your intellectual self. The E was for your emotional self. The R was for your recreational self. And the S was for your spiritual self. And I said, okay, we have to make sure that every part of our totality is being catered to and there's wholeness in each area. You remember that? Your physical self, intellectual self, emotional self, recreational self, and your spiritual self. The reason I'm bringing that back to this conversation is because a lot of us operate out of levels of offendedness because one of the levels of our totality is on fumes. 
So if your physical self, that's the area of your temple care, if you're not taking care of your temple and somebody says something disrespectful about your body, due to me already not investing in this area, the temptation for me to respond out of offendedness is higher than it would be if I was investing in the area of my physical self. Does that make sense? In the area of my intellectual self, if I was reading, because leaders must be readers, if I was studying, if I was listening to podcasts, if I was doing devotionals because I'm trying to learn the things of the scriptures. I'm not just trying to say amen to something that sounds good, a biblical punchline, but I want to have some biblical depth and accuracy. I want to be able to exegete the word of God. And the only time I open my Bible should not be when pastor says, turn your script, turn your Bibles to scripture so-and-so. When I want to learn and I'm pursuing to grow in my intellect. And if you don't do that and somebody says something like you're stupid, because this is an area in your life that is not being cared about, or you're not putting fuel in that tank, the offendedness is higher. Does that make sense? So when, I'm, when I am diligent with catering to my physical self, my intellectual self, my emotional self, my recreational self, and my spiritual self, when somebody makes a comment that attacks one of the layers of my totality, it doesn't bother me, bother me because I'm already full there. Ah, oh, this is so good, y'all. This is so good. So let's, let's break down offense, and I'm going to get out your way. I think this is enough you can handle, okay? Offense. What is offense? Offense is the attempted forced entry to gain unauthorized access to the room of your peace. Did y'all hear me? Offense is the attempted forced entry. To gain unauthorized access to the area of your peace. Maybe before you clap back and you respond, think this is an attempt for a person to gain unauthorized access to my peace. And my peace is non-negotiable. Maybe in this particular moment, I need to be like Matthew 27, verse 14, five words, but Jesus gave no reply. Offense. Offense is our emotions defense mechanism to defend our pride. Lord have mercy. Did y'all hear what I just said? Offense is our emotions defense mechanism to defend our pride. The only reason you clapping back is because your ego was hurt. But peers' awareness, physical self, intellectual self, Emotional self, recreational self, spiritual self, when I have an awareness of all of those totalities of my being, it will cause me to not give in to the bait of that offendedness. Offense. Offense is the invitation to attend the wedding of foolishness and strife hosted by your ego. Just let that say loud for a second. You have to replay this message. I already know. Offense is the invitation. Listen, y'all. Every time somebody says something disrespectful, every time somebody says something foolish, view it as an invitation. It is an invitation for you to attend the wedding of foolishness and strife, and it's hosted by your ego. I'll give you Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23. It says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Some of y'all didn't know the Bible said that. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. 
The word of God is like, listen, uh, uh, Timothy, as you're navigating this leadership of this new role as pastor, I'm telling you, when people start to argue about foolish stuff, that's none of my business. Don't even engage in it, because if you do, it's going to produce quarrels. Because offense is the invitation to attend the wedding of foolishness and strife. They get married, and your ego is the host. Offense is the decoration at the entrance of wasted time. My God. Offense is the decoration at the entrance of wasted time, and your pride is the waitress that persuades you to come in and take a seat. <laughs> it's an invitation. Yo, they clapping back. You clapping back too? Let's go. Let's turn up. No, keep, keep, I mean, what are we doing? It's an invitation for you to come in, and your pride is the waitress that says, come on and take a seat. Offendedness. But peer's awareness helps me resist the bait. This last one right here hits us all in the throat. Offense is the bait that tempts you to take a bite on the hook of trying to get people to change how they view you. And once you bite the hook, your flesh will reel you out of the waters of character. Did y'all hear what I just said? Did you hear what I just said? Offense is the bait that tempts you to bite the hook of trying to get people to change the way that they see you. I already told you, that's none of your business. You're trying to get them to change the way that they see you. And once you bite that hook, your flesh will reel you out of the waters of your character. So now you're acting out of character because you're trying to change the way somebody thinks about you. <sighs> let, let, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. Number one, so how do I get to this place, Jay? I don't have no more scalp. I'm bald. How, how do I get to this place? Because I tell you, I, I, like my mouth, is anybody honest enough, like right now, this is like a free transparent room, honest enough to say my mouth, like I, my mouth is all one. It's all one. Like I, I'm not there. <laughs> Thank you for teaching on it because there is a pressure. But how, how do I resist this? Number one, you have to know your assignment. Please hear me. You have to know your assignment. I believe in that moment. Jesus standing before Pilate. He's a liar. He's trying to overthrow Rome. He's fake. He did all this lie. He's trying to steal from Caesar. He's doing all that. The reason Jesus didn't say anything, he knew his assignment. I have to die. <laughs> I, have to, I have to die. What sense does it make for me to try to tell you, okay, no, I, I'm not trying to overthrow Rome. No, I didn't steal any money from Caesar. No, I'm not trying to build my own empire. What sense does it make for me to respond to all of that when I know my assignment is to get to the cross? When I know my assignment, then I could be like verse 14, five words, but Jesus made no reply. And when you know your assignment, when somebody says something to you, I don't even have to make a reply <laughs> because I know my assignment. Since he knew he had to get into the, since he knew he had to get to the cross, he didn't have to engage people who were saying things about him because he knew his assignment. Number two and number one are kind of married. Number two is you have to know who you're assigned to. After you, after you know your assignment, this is so good, y'all. After you know your assignment, you have to know who you're assigned to because there is an audience that you have been cosmically created to reach. There is. 
When I try to impress the audience or try to reach the audience that I don't have the grace to reach and I'm not going to reach, I then begin to underserve the people that I am called to serve. Know who you're assigned to. I'm not for everybody, and I'm okay with that. But there, is a remnant, there are a remnant of people in the earth that do desire to live life based on reestablishing the kingdom agenda, and I help edify. If I don't, that's okay. That's okay. I know my assignment, and you have to know who you're assigned to. And I like to challenge you, a lot of us are arguing with people that you're not even going to reach. They have majored and misunderstanding you. And the more you keep on trying to go back and forth with them, you're minoring in your assignment. Give you Bible. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 28. It says, the heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. But the mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. Think. Mental, spiritual maturity is tied to the condition of my mind the condition of my heart as a man thinketh so is he out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks number three so good know yourself know know yourself in in a few weeks i'm dealing with a message about self-love i don't know what the title is but i was just studying in my own time and sister tracy this is just something i never saw before jesus says to love thy neighbor as thyself but if you don't even love yourself how could you carry out that principle do you know yourself do you know yourself? Like, there was, this was like months ago, somebody made a comment like, he's a hellfire and brimstone preacher. You know why I didn't respond? Because I know myself. I know I'm not. And when you know yourself, you don't have to respond to what you're not. I said it before, my beautiful German shepherd, I showed y'all a picture of him on Thursday. If you walk in my house and you call him Stacy, he's not even looking at you. Stacy, you go, Brandon, Charles. He just going to keep... He's not even paying you any attention. Why? Because this soulless beast knows who he is. And we are the apex of God. And we're responding to stuff that we're not. Know who you are so that you can stop trying to explain yourself to people who don't even know who they are. And last one, apply the no. Apply the no. If you know yourself, apply it. You know your assignment, apply it. When they say something petty, apply what you know about you. Knowledge is not power. Applied knowledge is. If you know, if you know what God has called you to do, if you know your mission, your assignment, you can stop responding to things that you're not. And if I know my assignment, I know who I'm assigned to, I know myself, and I apply the know. And I'm seeking out to get knowledge of knowing who God is. Maybe then we can resist the pressure of giving in to offendedness. And just maybe we could be just like Jesus. They make accusations. They post. They say whatever they want to say. But Jesus knew his assignment. But Jesus made no reply. And I came here on the night to try to challenge somebody Are you applying to things that are disturbing your soul care? Because a part of the Christian faith is to possess the fruit of the spirit of self-control. And one of the ways I exercise self-control is I control my mouth. 
So God, this one could be difficult. But could you help us to remember first that we're striving to be like you? We're striving to be like you. You're not asking us, God, to just let somebody beat us up and not defend ourselves. But you are asking us, God, to have character. To be spiritually mature enough to overlook. Be spiritually mature enough to engage in Christ-likeness even when people aren't treating me Christ-like. Help me, God, to not allow sin against me to produce sin in me. It is your goal and it is your desire to conform us to the image and likeness of your son. And Father, we lay here naked and prostrate before you saying, would you perform surgery? Would you perform surgery so that we could be a billboard in the earth, a PA system of heaven? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.